Welcome to the Biz for Good Show, where we highlight misfits, outcasts, and renegades for the being good and doing good movement. We spotlight people that are changing the world by having integrity and honesty and creating an environment of connection, thus showing the true secret to success and creating a life of greater impact. So come on board and create your own Biz for Good life. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Biz for Good show. You have come to the right place for everything good in biz. (laughs) (laughs) I am your host, Bobby Glenn James, along with the ladies and gentlemen in the house, Ryan Pilkington. Ryan Pilkington. Dun, 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 dun. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the show. Welcome, all of you crazy biz for gooders out there. So, 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 so fun. We, you know, we're going on five years, man. It's still fun. I still love it. I love it. I would still do it if we only had ten, two listeners. I say two, not ten. Ten is a lot. See, yeah, we ten. We have ten <laughs> listeners. So. We got three <laughs> definitely now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so anyway, tell us about the show, Ryan. What's going on today? Yeah, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Biz for Good Show. Biz for Good Show. Uh, yeah. Today we have an amazing guest that she is a powerhouse. Powerhouse. Holy moly. Guacamole. Ooh, this is going to be a fun show. I can already <laughs> yeah. tell. I can already tell. She's laughing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tracy Lamari, a high-profile international award-winning publicist, is the founder and managing director of Lamoria Media, a Universal Women's Network 2020 Women of Inspirational Winner for the Women in Media Award and the author of an upcoming book called Get Repped. Tracy is passionate about amplifying important messages and being a voice for those who most need one. Recognized by media around the world for her 20-year campaign that ultimately helped free an innocent man from death row and a frequent guest on TV, radio, and high-profile podcasts around the world on topics, leadership, and the Biz for Good Show. <laughs> and the Biz for Good Show. Woo! Empowerment oh. and entrepreneurship. And the title of the show is Freeing a Man on Death Row that launched a career with Tracy Adamori. Awesome. Ooh, I'm so excited. I, I think I think we need to do uh, a lessons in leadership today. I think I think uh, Tracy is the perfect person to bring on a lessons in leadership. What do you think? Yeah, Ryan agrees. Ryan agrees. Tracy, welcome so much to the show. Welcome, Hi. welcome. And I gotta say, you know, you remind it's reminding me of when I first met my husband. He had a radio show on CIUT Toronto, uh, 89.5 FM, and he was the sound guy. So he was, <laughs> while he was doing the audio, like we were, you know, we'd be in the. He'd bring me on as a guest sometimes. There'd be the three of us, not him, in the room in the booth, mm-hmm. and then he'd be like in the sound booth. Also talking, but also doing all these like, everything, you know, like crazy sound things. Like you'd interview someone, and then all of a sudden, be like, "Woo!" <laughs> yeah. 
So that was my early introduction to radio. So I love it. <laughs> awesome. We like to keep it a little. Yeah, we make it a little. It's too much boring stuff out there. We want to make it a little fun, right? <laughs> so we didn't tell you about this. We're going to kind of put you on the spot because every once in a while we'll, we'll do a, a segment of the show before we get into the interview. Uh, and I just, I feel like, you know, all the things that you've done and uh, the many things. Sometimes we ask for a lessening leadership from the guest. And and right now, we're just going to turn the time over to you. And, and, and this is, we know we've just put you on the spot, but I have a feeling you will totally come through okay and unscathed. Uh, do you have some pointers or some kind of intuitive stuff that you could give us about leadership, Tracy? Absolutely. Um, so leaders do not want followers. I, I believe that real leaders do not want and they do not build followers. Ooh. Real leaders build other leaders. So real leaders empower other people mm. to find the leadership within themselves and, and stuff. So also, you know, obviously if there's a project, somebody has to take the, the lead for that project. And in those instances, it's important to listen as much as you talk and to consider everybody you know, and, and I'll, honestly, I mean, my own the, my own experience shows that you should always listen to everybody in the room because at one time I was, you know, I didn't have a higher education. I was just an employee in sales and marketing entry level, you know, with the crazy red hair that, you know, many business people in suits would likely have discounted until, you know, 15 years on when I'm being asked to go on stages and educate them all on how to do this and how to do that and everything. Now they all want to talk to me. But so listen to everybody in the room and consider that you have a lot of talent that you may not be using and uh, in terms of other people and um, help them develop that talent and see that talent in themselves, which goes back to my original point about building leaders. Awesome. I love that. I, I've always said that I think the greatest leaders were the greatest followers. And I think it kind of connects with leaders finding leaders. When, when, a, when a leader finds someone that's really there to follow their message so they can go out and lead and do the I think those two things really, really connect. So that's awesome. And, and I don't think we've ever heard that in Lessons in Leadership. Never, ever. I love it. Repercity. Rep what do people usually say? Oh, gosh. I don't know. How many times have we asked that question? Too? Five. A billion. Lot. <laughs> a lot. Is there like a recurring theme that people always say? Uh, is there a recurring? You know, it's been pretty interesting. I would say, you know, the, listen to your people. Uh, take, you know, take the lead and do, you know, you you do the stuff. Uh, gosh, gosh, that's a wow. We've never been put on the spot yeah, like this, Ryan. This is great. I'm gonna do an. I'm gonna do an. <laughs> I'm going to do an audit. I'm just answering the questions. I'm yeah, sorry. We, yeah, we're going to have to go re-listen to every 200 episodes <laughs> and, and see. What did we learn about no, leadership? Probably there, isn't, there, there probably isn't then. It's not like there's one thing everybody says it's the same. Right? Yeah. I, now that I think about it, the, it, there is a lot. I mean, when it comes to being good and doing good, the, the message that we everybody kind of connects with that message and everybody really – but everybody's kind of take on it has been really, really, really fun. Uh, with that said, should we jump in and ask that question to you, Tracy? What does biz for good mean to Tracy? Um, you know what? If you're an, to me, if you're a, number one, if you're an ethical person, that you, you should have an ethical business. What does that mean? Well, you know, it means something different to everybody. But I mean, I I believe that we're very heart centered. I come from 
advocacy and I wouldn't be here in the amazing elevated fun it's a lot of work but you know so fun <laughs> job that I with all the perks that I'm doing now if it wasn't for the fact that when I was literally just an entry-level salesperson never thinking anything like this never thinking about building a business because I wasn't educated to build a business or anything like that and go to school for any of this um, I, I'm I am where I am today literally because I started to help somebody who um, was nobody was paying attention to myself and my husband Dave Parkinson we were 28 year old you know activists we used to have a radio show but didn't anymore and we heard about this case about a man named Jimmy Dennis who was saying he was actually innocent on death row in Pennsylvania and I don't some combination of the fact that we used to have the radio show so we were still in that information gathering stage even though we didn't have it anymore to just our activist heart when no one's paying attention to this could this be real what nightmare that would be if it was true wasn't anything we'd ever thought about but something called us to not only you know send an email because but to actually write a letter to physically write a letter and mail it to death row and ask what it was all about and then when he answered back with 18 pages tightly written on both sides and all kinds of detail and legal documentation and all that stuff which is what he said from his cell was already enough to be like wait a minute definitely bears more looking into ultimately we ended up through the good graces of Jim and Tanya Sneed, who ended up going in um, to the courthouse and getting, you know, spending all, I don't know how much money to get all of the court records. We were all able to comb through everything, see that everything he was saying was true and more. Ended up, ultimately we started a campaign. So as just activists with no money, like just literally pennies to scrub together to save up for stamps and our internet connection, we started an international campaign to let the world know about him and it took uh, that was in 1998 when we were 28 years old and he was 28 years old he'd been convicted at that time for six years and ultimately he was freed the world finally recognized his innocence and he was freed in 2017 now these days he's an r&b recording artist getting attention from rolling stone from um you know bet all kinds of stuff and things are really developing so that's a crazy story and that brought me to literally learn i had a light bulb moment a couple of years before he was freed but 15 years, 20 years, you know, I guess it would have been at that point, 15 years after we started that journey, after I learned to write a press release to let the world know about that, um, I had a literally a light bulb moment. Hey, wait a minute. Some of those things that I've been doing so successfully that have got us on CNN, NBC, blah, 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 like writing press releases and learning to communicate with media at a time when it was a lot harder because we didn't, you couldn't just tweet it. It was email and such. Um, but it could be something I could monetize and perhaps get a couple of clients out of. And so I went and looked on the interwebs because we all have that. That's about all I had at the time is the internet and an old desktop computer in a corner of a rented apartment that we had just sold our house. We didn't know where we were going to go next. We were all just like, oh, what are we going to do? So there I am in the corner of literally a rented apartment that was empty because all our stuff was in storage, like just you know, empty, not knowing what I'm going to do, but I have the internet and the computer. And I found um, some freelance sites. So on, a, on one of the freelance sites, I met Angela Sadler-Williamson, who's the cousin of Rosa Parks, hmm. civil rights legend Rosa Parks, who at that time was preparing to release her film, My Life with Rosie. She hired me to do the PR as a freelancer, and I guess I was good at it, and she liked me. She's still with me today. She actually thanked me in the credits of that movie and then when she did a children's book I was also the publicist on that so these kind of things and I had that kind of that level client to be able to say you know not only do I have all this success and that advocacy work that I did but also here I am professionally doing it getting paid with this so I got a couple of clients freelancing and then I just started getting clients only on, you know on LinkedIn and then I built a little general partnership with my husband for five years and then we turned it into in COVID during COVID still going well because I managed to pivot even though it was scary at the beginning of the year um, 
pivot the word of the year really well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> point, you know, like I, you know, I did because we lost like eighty percent of our business at first. All the entertainment, oh all the wow, oh god, everything, all the plans for the next three months that so involved travel and all those things. So like, oh my gosh, yeah. incapacitated for like two weeks, and then I suddenly thought, oh, if I've lost eighty percent of my business, wait, I still have twenty. I better get back to it. <laughs> I went to my desk and started doing the twenty and started thinking strategically again instead of staring at the screen all freaked out and managed to get other people that needed it. So I work with entrepreneurs, I work with authors, I work with celebrities, I work with everybody that needs, you know, a message just to get out there. And even the entrepreneurs, everybody, they either have to be, you know, a great message, doing something great, or I just have to really resonate with that person and feel they're a good person in their little corner of the world with what they're doing, trying to, you know. So, yeah, so ultimately, long story, really long story to your question there but that's it's really it's like people say to me how'd you get into pr there's no short answer for that one and i think i've learned and i mean my you know you don't to me i always say the bottom line is people i'm in a communication business but i mean i'm also just the same person i was when i was a young activist and i looked at business people kind of cross-eyed thinking that they were you know <laughs> you know how we separate they're, they're all evil Right, you yeah. know, I, mean, I wouldn't use those words, but st but still, that separation existed. You know yeah, what I mean? Where it did. Down right, and so you, everything's perspective. Though once you start doing, so now I, I'm still, I will never, I don't want to ever be what I thought business people were. <laughs> but now I realize they don't have to be. And it's funny, I had that thought the other day, and then I was arguing with myself, going, "Wait a minute, is that an actual thing? Am I just convincing myself of that, or what did I do there?" Which was. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, you know, two in the morning, deep thoughts. I'm like thinking now that I want to become a job creator, you know, because I, I have more work that I can handle. It's no problem anymore for me to get clients. So and all these people need work. So I need to either find someone or you know, train someone. Or I just don't know how to make that jump of, you know, doing it. And I was thinking to myself while I was thinking that, I'm like, well, that's kind of an activist thing, isn't it? Because I built this amazing life for myself. And now I want I want to teach other people. I don't care that they've been. Just, I don't want to get people that have been trained for it. I'm more interested in getting people like me that are just, you know, passion can do it. And um, and then I had that thought, oh, maybe that's kind of an activist thing too, because I can help people create really good lives that they love, <laughs> the way I love mine, as opposed to being in that, you know, thing that I now see as a wheel of, you know, the the jobs that I used to think were well paying. Now I look at it and I'm like, man. Even those well-paying jobs, teacher, you know, police officer, whatever, the $70,000, that's it. Like, even once you can get, even if it's well-paying, and, I, and I, I realize it's a lot higher paying than most people, but I mean, they can work 50 years in your life, whatever, 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 and then there's a cap. doesn't matter what you do, you can't make more, you know, it's, that's it, unless you invest well or something. But while it's, when you're an entrepreneur, it's like it's literally on your own head. You're strategically thinking, if you think of another path, if you think of another, you know, there, who knows what could happen? I could be a millionaire next year. I could be, which I, you know, expect to be within fairly short order because I'm pretty good at what I do. And now that I've figured out the whole corporate thing, now that people made me incorporate, now I've figured out my pricing and I'm doing all this. What it ends up being marketing, which I was thinking, I was thinking of media, you know, podcasts originally as media because I'm a media girl. But then in doing so many, I realized as a business to business service provider, it, I'm telling my clients now it's gold because it really is you know, marketing and even more important than that networking these days, which is like, we're all sitting here at our desks with these little screens in front of us. From, I know because I work with celebrities and I work with entrepreneurs and we're all in the exact same place sitting here trying to figure out how to navigate this world with the tools that we have in so, front of us. Right. So, so. true. I, I love it that, that 
I wanted to ask, you know, a lot of people see stuff like that, you know, somebody uh, maybe wrongly accused or maybe was, don't know. And most of, you know, most of the world just kind of dismisses it and lets it move on. Why didn't you? What, what, what told you, hey, you know what, I got to stand for something right now. Why did you decide that? And because and, and, I have a feeling it snowballed and connected with the whole biz for good for your life. And I'm just curious, why did you decide to do that? Yeah, and at that time again, I wasn't in business. I was again, I was just an employee. You know, and I would have just kept on that trajectory. But um, this, all this stuff taught me that, right, to, to make me a different person. But why? I don't know. I, people have asked me that recently a lot, so I've done a lot of thinking about that recently. Because, like I said, it wasn't just that we send an email; it would be easy to do. You know, it was we had to actually like write a physical letter to a guy on death row. Which why would we do that? You know. And then I was saying, first of all, we were activists, we were young, we wanted to save the world, but still, no, there's more than that. Why would we have to do that? But then that's when I thought, you know, what I said earlier, the part about we had recently had had the radio show a couple of years before. So, in our, you know, we were like used to interviewing people and gathering information. And so we thought, so, so I think the combination of that activist, we can change the world. This is what made, I'm talking about just what made us write the letter, you know, and the gathering information made us write that letter, which was a huge step right there. And then once he wrote back with this 18 pages and all this information, and we read it horrified because this is, oh my God, this looks like nobody's listening. You know, this looks like he's actually innocent. And holy shit, nobody's listening to this. What do we do? Because you know what? Now we have a responsibility. We didn't just see this on the internet. We, did, we went and wrote a letter and said, hey, tell us about it. We'd like to help. And so wow. then this guy sat there and wrote 18 pages and small letters on both sides. Wow. That letter. With pictures. So now what do we do with this? Just put it on a shelf and say that was interesting? <laughs> right. Yeah. No. That's what a lot of the world maybe probably would do. But part of the reason, though, I think is that too, because then again, when you talk about, oh, you do this epic campaign, it sounds epic, it sounds heroic and all that. And, you know, you can't deny it was an op a pretty epic thing. But... I'm no hero. Like, nobody's a hero, really. We're all just people, right? When nobody's as bad as you think. I've worked with death row prisoners, not just the innocent ones. I can tell you, nobody's as bad as the worst thing they ever did, we say in the death penalty. Or nobody's only the worst thing they ever did. And none of us are, as, are the best thing we ever did either. You know, we're all just people. And <laughs> so the, one thing, I think what the point is, you know, I think if you really ask, like if you really thought about it, if people, if 90%, of, I think 90% of the people, if they really believe they could do something, could help free an innocent man from death row, could help feed the starving children of whatever, you know, if they really believe they could do, to, could do that, they probably would. The reason they don't is because they really do not believe they can have an impact. Uh, Just most people don't start businesses or the same reason most people don't follow their dreams. You know, they have an idea for a second, but they don't actually think they can swing that death row door open. They don't think, and I should, I should have been the same as them. My husband and myself, 28 years old, not again, now no two pennies to rub together in a basement in, in Scarborough, Ontario, you know, in suburb of Toronto, up there in Canada somewhere, you know, with no legal history, no criminal justice history, no media history, nothing, right? We really shouldn't have been able to make any impact and yet even way before we were publicists just from learning how to write that press release and clever messaging and being daring and saying things other people weren't saying they ended up calling us the feisty canadians and all that. we ended up getting ourselves not just about the death row case but like i said uh, you know uh, like i said cnn msnbc court tv a and e you know a a nancy grace the abram show we're on with all these people and not once did anyone ever say this is amazes me now like 
just who do you guys think you are actually like what you know what do you have <laughs> you know like no never because we were doing the work we were doing the work we were presenting well when you asked the questions we knew how to you know and by the way funnily enough to show you what i really i dyed my hair this color when i was 18 years old i call it my natural hair color right i had this for about 10 years from 18 to 28 and then i've had it again since mostly from 41 on like just most of my life except in 1999, when I found out, all of a sudden I was going to get an option, an opportunity to be on TV. Normally, it's not my husband to do TV in those days, but I was I wasn't confident about it. That's <laughs> funny. Now I'm like whatever. Um, but <laughs> but um, I got a call to be. I had to be on court TV for some reason. My husband couldn't do it. I had to be on court TV talking about you know whether it was Jimmy or another case at the time. I'm not sure. Um, but it was about somebody who didn't have any other advocate. Nobody else was speaking on their behalf. I had the opportunity because of the noise we're making to go on national, international television to advocate for this person for five minutes. So the, and I find out it's going to be like 10 in the morning. I got to go on TV. So the, and I'm panicking because it's eight at night. And I'm like, and nothing in the world will make me change. It's not for a job. You could offer me a million dollar job. I would have said, ah, forget it. They either want me or they don't. I wouldn't have done my hair for nothing. And, but you know, the fi second I found out I was going to be on court TV, speaking for and this was in 1998 much like earlier that now everybody's got the red hair you know but speaking <laughs> for um somebody you know a life and death issue first thing i did is run to you know the drugstore and buy brown dye and dye my hair brown and i kept it like that for two years because you know not to hide who i really was but because if there's nobody else speaking for that person they don't want the person to go on air and distract you know middle america with the crazy hair so they can't even hear this they're looking at this and not hearing this mm. it's one thing if i'm talking business or talking about myself and what i do i don't care people can like me or they don't like me right but if i'm advocating for somebody that nobody else is advocating for and it's a life or death issue i need those people to listen to me and to like me enough to listen to me right so I dyed my hair for the for death row. <laughs> I'm gonna dye it back. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. You got a question, Ryan? Uh, yeah. What a, would be a challenge or a tidbit you would give our guest, our our listeners? A challenge or a tidbit? Okay, so um, it's I always say this is like a three part thing. So it depends if you're an entrepreneur, if you're looking in, if you're like a business person, or and I guess you guys are because you're just a biz, a biz show. So kind of. So for all of those. So yep. yeah, as a publicist, my job is to get you in media, get you awarded, get you on shows, get you applauded, get you more money, get you more clients, all that stuff. So first, you have to believe, like honestly, you have to believe in yourself. And this is hard for a lot of people to actually see yourself as an expert that should be on TV, that has just as much to offer as others, you know, whatever. Challenge yourself to understand that you are an expert, number one, because when you say, oh, I'm not, you know, it wouldn't be on TV. Well, you wouldn't be taking people's money to do what you're doing, would you, if you weren't an expert. So you know you're an expert. Just take that confidence that you do you already have in yourself, otherwise you wouldn't be in business offering your services, and translate and be ready to talk to media. So once you find those media opportunities or you have a publicist find them or you're, you know, speak to media, once you've elevated yourself, so now you've built your platform, which hopefully has helped you reach your goals, which if you're in business probably is to make money or, you know, to make your million dollars or whatever. It's funny when it, I'm only learning to be in business, I swear. In one <laughs> business, high business podcast, and I was like, you know, when you make your million dollars or whatever, <laughs> they laughed and I'm like, well, you know, if that's your goal. But then the important thing, <laughs> and I didn't even mean to be doing that, but I was like, sorry, I'm still at, um, and even though I'm, you know, like I'm on the business track now too and doing well, but it's still my headspace isn't in that. So then I was like, so you've made your, you got your platform 
platform now. You've made your money, you've got your platform. Is that the end now? Is that your goal? Are you done? Are we applauding? No. What are you going to do with that now? You know, on your deathbed, are you just going to be happy that you gathered all that money and you had that influence? Because influence is there to be used, hopefully, for something good. So, yes. again, build up the confidence in yourself, then build up your platforms, make your money, whatever you got to do. But then don't forget there's a responsibility to that. And you also want to build your own legacy, not for the world to see, but for you to remember on your deathbed, for your children to be proud of when you die. You know, that's what legacy means. And so what do you care about? Do something about it. Doesn't have to be death row or starving kids or whatever. It could be anything. Whatever your passion is, help people do something, make a difference, leave it better than you found it. Absolutely. That, that's that's awesome. the whole that's the it. whole premise that we believe in, that we care about. Uh, it's why we do the show it's uh legacy there's so i mean there's something when you fill your heart you can't fill your heart with money you just can't <laughs> yeah exactly it, people think you can but those are the unhappiest people you know there's people that are like you know don't have money and are super don't want to do anything about it and don't understand they can do something about it they're only realizing that and are super resentful with people that have money are really super miserable and so are like you know people that have yes. money and i don't know what they thought they were going to get when they got there, but life still sucked because, you know, maybe they still suck. You yeah, know? yeah. And you know what? There's a secret. When you go out there and do good things, and honestly, there's nobody, even the most altruistic person who are doing things for the most re best reasons of social justice and all those things, which is me. I mean, that's my passion of my life, right? There's for all the right reasons all the time. But, you know, th this is a psychological fact. People, human beings, no human being, doesn't matter who you think they are, right? Do not do things that they don't get some reward for. So it's not a financial reward when you do good, you know, when you go out. Well, in this case, it might be because we, you know, in my case, I ended up being good business. And that's the whole premise of the show. But in some cases, that good feeling, you know, that you get from going and doing whatever, whatever, it's not going to be a financial reward. But why do people go and volunteer for 30 years at the soup kitchen? Why do they do whatever? They're getting, they feel good, but maybe, Maybe some people do it for praise, but most people don't. Most people do it because it actually feels good and it makes you feel better when your mind is not focused on your own shit, excuse my language, you know. People will go all the time on their own crap and go over and over in their head about how much their life sucks or what that person did to them or whatever, and that's a downward spiral and does not help you. People who stop doing that, you know, and you go out and you help someone else, or you, do, you for the day, you're not thinking about that. So you're feeling better. You're healthier. You're feeling good. You're so there's all kinds of you know physiological reasons, psychological reasons, you know, financial reasons. You know that thinking about other people is is the bottom line. And like I was saying earlier today, that you know to somebody else, you know that expression, look out for number one. Sure, if you're if you're into that, if that's what you're doing, you better keep on doing it. So if your if your motto has been look out for number one, you better keep on doing it. Honestly, because nobody else is going to be looking out for you. Nobody's going to care about you. So if that's your motto, keep doing it, and you're the only one, you know. But if you're smart and you know a human, you know a part of community, you realize and you know intrinsically without being told, and not for profit, not for advancement, but you know you just feel you just it's just the right thing to do. As humans, you help the the people you help the people that are and most of us do help the people that are directly in front of us if somebody's baby's falling out of their arms you know it's a really weird person who wouldn't stop and help them it's that you know so the things that we actually see as humans we respond to we help other people it's when we we don't see each other as community or when we feel separated from it or you know it, that's when we don't help other people 
it's not a natural state to be in. I love it. Mm. I love it. So Man. true. Man, some serious pearls of wisdom here. This is, yeah, this is good, good stuff. You asked Tra- the right questions. Good combo. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, Tracy, thank you so much for being on the show. Gosh, time is just zipped by it's felt it's just been it's been cool i just could sit i i have a feeling that we could just sit and and, and listen to you talk about stuff i mean you just listen to you, you, you yeah but you you the wit that you have and you can tell that that you have so much passion around what you do and and that is exciting for us i mean that yeah. is that is the whole point of mm. everything is having this passion for you know connecting with the human race and i think you're right 100 percent uh, it just makes us feel good. I know when I go out and do service, I always feel better than the work it was to do it. It's right. like, it's just amazing. It, no, it is. People are always like, oh, applaud. Oh, you're so, not just me, but other people. We are like, oh, yeah. you're so great. You've done this. But it's fun, too. It it's is. fun to do stuff. It's not like when you're helping people, you know, I mean, hopefully you'll do it regardless, you know, like even when it's not fun, because it's not, I tell you, the death penalty stuff was not always fun. That stuff was, because <laughs> yeah. we didn't just help Jimmy Dennis. You know, we ended up looking at, uh, I mean, like if you get serious there for a minute, cause we got like, oh my gosh, we had people, people were executed. I think they may have had to be innocent or whatever. There was issues in their case. Other people who were not innocent, but there were issues in the case and just horrible stories, whether it was the stories of what people have did to each other or the stories of what we as a society do in response. It was like, you lose way more than you win working in that. It is not fun. I mean, we made it strategic and we had wins and all that, but it was certainly, it's a, it's more tears and you no know, devastation than it is a fun one, that one. Yeah. So that one, but even in that, even in that though, there's those, you know, you still feel when you do make a difference and when you, you know, when everything's black, but you were able to shine a little bit of light and when, you know what I mean? So <laughs> everything, people do things that, you know, it feels good to help people. So help people. This is bottom line is people, not money. And and the cool part about it is when you do that, the money will come. You do get, I mean, it's a natural thing that people want to do business with people that really, and and, and in this day and age, we're on to the scam. We, we can see a scammer a thousand miles away now. When you're real and legit, we want to do business with you. I know I, we have people come up. I have people come up to me and says, hey, I listen to your show. I know what you're about, Bobby. Hey, I've got a, I've got a thing. You want to do this with me or whatever. Man, it, it's like, what the? Just happened. I didn't move, man. What just happened? Weird. Was something plugged to that? What? Something fell or snapped. I thought that was electricity. I smell it. I smell it. That's fun. Well, that was interesting, Ryan. And so just for... I thought a ev- gun went off. Yeah, so just so everybody knows, we were recording this post-interview. Uh, oh! Yeah, we we were in the studio. We were we were having this amazing time. Um, and... Uh, Tracy. With Tracy, yeah, with Tracy. And, and um, the yeah. whole world shut down. <laughs> We heard a again. pop. We heard a big. Well, oh, yeah. This was, yeah, we heard a big pop, and then smelled 
uh, mechanical uh, smell burning and smoke and stuff. And yeah. No, not that kind. No, not that kind of smoke. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, the computer that we do the show on blew up. It, it actually... Whatever! Yeah, it blew up. It blew so, up. Uh, scared the heck out of me. We, luckily, we were at the end of the show, and, and Tracy was super sweet. She was super awesome, amazing guest. But um, I guess we just need to be taken out, Ryan, and <laughs> just you and me. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we always end the show with a hashtag, be good, do good. We say it 30 times. We get louder and crazier on the third time. time. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Hashtag be good, do good. Hashtag be good, do good. And that's Rip. Thank you for listening to the Biz for Good Show podcast. We want to thank all our fans and guests on the show. Be sure to check us out on all our social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For your hosts, Bobby Glenn James and Ryan Pilkington, this is Tim Jackson saying get out and do some good. Now go 